And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Welcome to this edition of the Street Fishing Podcast. This program is dedicated to going out to the highways and hedges and compelling people to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Join your host, Tony Miano, and his team of street fishermen as they find people on the streets with whom to share the gospel. No scripts, no planning, no preparation. Just impromptu gospel conversations with random people out there in a world in desperate need of the Savior. So, until the nets are full, let's go fishing. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is, wherever you might be, welcome to another edition of the Street Fishing Podcast. I am your host, Tony Miano. And today we are going to once again go fishing with Chris down in Pensacola, Florida. In this episode, you are going to meet Abraham. No, not the Abraham, but a young man named Abraham, 21 years old, living in Ohio, just outside of Cincinnati. Chris found him on the beach in Pensacola. Abraham and a friend of his are down there vacationing for a few days, and Abraham agreed to get on the phone and talk to me. So with that... Let's go fishing. All right, I've got Chris Lapata back on the phone. Chris is down in Pensacola, Florida. You'll remember him from the last time he went fishing for us. Uh, but last time he went fishing, uh, I forgot to let him introduce himself. I told you his name was Chris and he was in Pensacola, but I didn't tell you anything else. So before Chris goes fishing today, he's going to take a couple of minutes and uh, uh, let you know who he is and what he's all about. Fire away, Chris. All right, Tony. Um, first of all, it's a pleasure to uh, be fishing with you. Um, I've been influenced by uh, your street preaching and uh, and your podcast through the years, and then also you know Ray Comfort and uh, Todd Friel, some others like that. Um, God's really put it on my heart uh, a burden to you know go to the lost and share the gospel, um, and I'm learning tremendously from uh, the resources that are available. Uh, but but like I said, my name is Chris Lopata. I have a uh, my wife Sandra. We've been married 26 years. We have one daughter, Kayla, and uh, She's 25. She's married and uh, moved away, and um, I attend the Cross Church here in Pensacola. And uh, I was I, I was saved probably about seven seven or eight years ago, and um, have just been since then trying to serve the Lord as best I can and uh, learning to evangelize and and share the amazing gospel that uh, that we've been given. Well, praise the Lord. Now I'm you, you and I we know each other through social media primarily. I mean, I don't think we've ever met in person, have we? No, we haven't. <laughs> okay, so we'll we'll try to change that uh, between now and sometime in the future. But you do not sound like a guy who's been married for twenty six years with a twenty five year old daughter. You don't sound that old. You don't sound that old. How old are you? I am uh, forty six. I just turned forty six. Okay, so you started young, like uh, like we did. We did, yeah. So I was in the Army um, for uh, five years active duty and then uh, three uh, National Guard, got out to finish up my education. We ended up um, here in Pensacola to finish finish my degree up, and uh, I landed a job right out of school teaching physical education. So um, that's one, one way I'm able to, uh, you know, get out and go to the streets during the week because uh, I'm off for the summers. So uh, God has blessed me with time and, uh, and good health, and there's no reason I can't get out here and, and try to, uh, you know, um, share the gospel. All right. Okay. Well, and we're going to let you do just that. So now what Chris is going to do, he's going to hang up with me and he's going to go fishing. He's going to 
He's at a beach down there in Pensacola, and he could tell us more about where he is when he calls back. Um, but he's going to go out and try to find someone for me to talk to on the phone with the hope of sharing the gospel with them. All right, Chris, we'll let you go, and uh, we'll talk to you when you find a fish. Sounds good, Tony. Talk to you in a little bit. All righty. Bye. All right, I've got Chris back on the phone. Uh, again, Chris is down in Pensacola, Florida. Chris, exactly where are you today? Hey, Tony, we are at, on the south side of Pensacola Beach here, and I've got Abraham with me. Okay, and what can you tell me about Abraham? Abraham is 21 years old. He's from Ohio, and he's here on vacation. Been here about four days. He sounds like he's about ready to head on home. He got sunburned a little bit. Um, he described himself as a Christian, and uh, he was willing and bold enough to come on and talk about his spiritual beliefs with you. Wow, great. All right, let's talk to Abraham. Okay, here it goes. Hey, Tony, how are you doing? Good, Abraham, how are you? Hey, thanks for, uh, thanks for taking a little bit of time out of your vacation down in Florida to have a chat with me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's the uh, sun went behind the clouds, and so I wouldn't be in the water anyway. Okay. All right. Um, so I'm interested in... in uh, and what your first thoughts were when Chris walked up to you and said, hey, do you want to be on the podcast and talk about spiritual beliefs? Yeah, you know, it's not a question that you get a whole lot. And um, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, my first impulse was like, oh, no, let's not do this. Then, you know, I'm like, my gut told me, yeah, you know what? Let's give this a shot. And uh, <laughs> so here okay. we are. All right. So um, I hear you're visiting from Ohio. What part of Ohio are you from? Yeah, so I'm not sure if you're familiar with the state or not, but it's... Yeah. Um, probably about an hour north of Cincinnati and kind of the Springboro, Miamisburg area. So that and, sounds like uh, it's down towards the south end of the state then? That's correct, yeah. Oh, right okay. Southwest or so, yeah. So uh, is this your first time down to Florida or do you come down there often for vacation? It's my first time, man, and it's uh, actually my first time to the beach. I've been to the mountains and, uh, you know, grew up in the Midwest, so it's my first time kind of on the coast here. Okay, so this is so you're telling me this is the first time you've put your foot in the ocean. <laughs> you know, uh, probably when I was 12 or 13, I went to Virginia Beach um, at night. Actually, we we were on a road trip and we carpooled over and we got out and I kind of stepped our foot in the water. So this is my first time I've actually been in the ocean, but it's <laughs> first time I've done so, it in daylight. So, so how bad is the sunburn? You know, the sunburn is. Uh, <laughs> We we uh, the situation is is contained, but um, first day man it was it was pretty bad. But I uh, I have some Italian ancestors in my in my past, so. Um, ah, well I, I claim I claim I claim the same heritage. Uh, uh, I got quite a bit of olive oil in my skin, so I think that helps me. There you go, man. There you go. <laughs> All right, so. Um, Chris told me that uh, you would identify yourself as a Christian. Yes, sir. Okay. What Now, that word, that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So I don't want to make any yeah. assumptions. Don't want to make any assumptions sure. at all. So what does that mean to Abraham that that you're a Christian? So, I mean, it, it would – and you're right. It, it does have a huge umbrella uh, underneath it. But for me, without getting too theological or into the weeds um, – 
it it simply means that I that I believe I'm I'm created as a uh, in, in the image of God. I believe that men or mankind or, or humankind, or if you want to call that, has uh, sinned and uh, fallen short of a of a perfect uh, um, rule of order or a law that God created, and that as such we stand before God as as um, uh, you know sinners and 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 and, and at fault. However, uh, I believe that. God sent a son, Jesus Christ, to come uh, to take on him the sins of uh, myself and, and all those who believe on him, uh, took those, died, died, um, but then had victory um, by rising it from the dead and um, uh, um, giving us kind of a, a new life in pursuit of him. You know, I think it's it's twofold. One, it's, it's acceptance of Jesus Christ as Savior, but I also believe that that Part of it is the pursuit and the growth of walking with Jesus every single day um, and uh, inviting Jesus to be part of your life as, as Lord and not just as, as Savior. Okay. Now, uh, Abraham, I've been doing this for a while, not only on podcasts, but I live my life out on the streets communicating the gospel with people. And that was probably one of the better gospel presentations I've heard from someone who's put on the spot like that. So, so well done. Well done. Um, so how did you, how did you come to faith in Christ? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you grew up in Ohio, a very, uh, pretty, um, conservative, typical family, you know, we were, um, what you might call a Christian home. So, you know, the, both my parents were, were professing believers and, um, you know, it was one of these things where, uh, I, I, kind of grew up and wanted to kick against the tires a little bit and um, didn't want to uh, become part of what my parents believed, mainly because my parents believed it and uh, my my friends didn't. And so huh. there's definitely this um, feeling of, you know, I'm going to set, create my own path, do my own thing. And um, I very much wanted to view Christianity um, and, and walking with Jesus as a um, constricting and and kind of as handcuffs, right? I mean, this idea, which I wanted to believe, that following Christ was going to be a, um, was going to crimp my style. You know, I wouldn't be able to do what I wanted to do. And, you know, the Lord really, really um, chased after me. I think there's a verse which you probably know better than me, but um, God will not let his people go. And, and I uh, ran him from him for, you know, a little while. Um, you know, 18, 19, I was really had a rebellious streak and was pretty much odious to myself and <laughs> family and friends and everything. And, uh, you know, the Lord actually brought a, um, uh, a pastor to, um, our church at the time. And, um, my dad was like, you know, I want you to, I want you to talk to this guy and just, you know, just, just, just have a conversation. Um, I said, okay, whatever, fine. So I went to this meeting with this guy and I had me, you know, my hands, my arms crossed and was about ready to, you know, debate this guy and prove how smart I was and uh, everything else. And he, this guy just leaned back in his chair. And he said, so Abraham, you know, what do you want to know? And he had such a, a peaceful, um, secure way of, 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 of presenting the gospel. He didn't feel like he had to push it. You know, he didn't. And, and I think it's different. I think as an evangelist, you might have experienced this as well. There's you can read pretty quickly what each person, individual person needs. And some people need a direct message and some people need just to 
uh, more welcoming invitation. And so he said that, and I said, well, I, you know, I, I, I don't really know. And we, we, were, we were talking a little bit more, and he, it became apparent that I was kind of concerned that um, this was going to be a, uh, a, you know, if I sign up for this, I'd be in a, um, which I say, very regulated, um, you know, formal life, and I wouldn't necessarily have the um, same joys I thought I had now. And he just said, you know, Abraham, Jesus writes that take my little yoke upon you, and it will be um, easy, and my burden is light. And we kind of left me with that, and uh, that kind of sat with me. And so, um, Lord continued to work with me in the next few days, and I just still remember committing uh, my life to Him. And I, I don't remember exactly what I said or what the exact moment was, but I said something like, "You know, God, I want to commit what I know of You, of You, um, and, and I, I want to trust what I know right now." And so, you know, that was the that was a turning point for me, probably eh, two, three years ago. I probably should have that. <laughs> written down somewhere but um you know and and man it's it's been uh that verse in philippians for me it's it's been um uh god's began a good work and he's continued to 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 perfect it and finish it and it's been you know the biggest thing man is it's been it's been the joy to see just in my own life i thought i was going to embrace christianity and end up in a very um formal sad world and i end up receiving more joy and more light and the world's more beautiful and the people are more beautiful and and it's it's it, it's been life well, life changing right and um you know that's that's kind of my story and and, yeah. and where i'm at now oh praise god um yeah thank you for sharing your your testimony with me now uh before you share before you shared your testimony with me you, you mentioned you know we need to uh, accept jesus as as savior but we also have to um, how did how did you put it? We also, you know, have to live live a life for him, uh, pursue mm-hmm. him. I think you said pursue him. Yeah. Um, what what does that mean uh, in your estimation as it pertains to works? Are are good works are living the holy life a requirement for salvation, or are they a fruit of salvation? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Good question, and one that I've not had to think about. So if my uh, answer is faltering here, then I'll, I'll claim that right now. Um, you know, it, it, no, I, I, right off the bat, I do not think that it is required for salvation. I don't think our works by somehow us, you know, tithing a certain amount or talking about us, you know, evangelizing a certain amount, that that somehow gets us into heaven. Because if you look at the discrepancy between our sin and Jesus's holiness, no works can bridge that gap, um, is how I understand scripture. Um, you'd be absolutely correct, but go ahead, continue. Yeah. And, and, and so, so my, mine isn't, isn't necessarily a, a commandment or regulation. Um, it, it's, it's an invitation to blessing, I, I guess is what, I guess is how I put it. That yes, having Jesus Christ as Lord is true freedom. Um, and, and it is, it, it is, it's an invitation to walk with God beside the, in the cool of the day and, and, and to do that every day. And because of, because of Jesus is bridging the gap between our sin and his holiness, we are allowed to have that, um, that, that privilege of, of waking up every morning and, and realizing that, the beautiful sunshine is from God 
and for just 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 for rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. I mean, that's verse in Revelation. It's it's so no, I don't think the works that we do is um is required, but I, I think that it's because he's blessed us, we bless others. And that's that's the invitation to joy and the invitation to freedom and happiness. That I think is just another way that God God blesses us. It's it's not so much that he saves us from hell and praise God that he does that. That's great. But I think if that's all we focus on, we're missing out on a huge piece of what the Christian life is. And the, the Christian life is, is, is pursuing God. And that's why, you know, that's the invitation to to Christianity and what, why I think eternity is eternity. I mean, because it's it's an never-ending, uh, beautiful pursuit. So I know I got rambling there, but I don't know if that no, answers your question. No, I would, I would, yeah, you did. I was tracking with you. Ephesians... Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says it is by grace we are saved through faith, and that not of ourselves. It's a gift from God, not as a result of works, so that no man may boast. And then it's followed by verse 10 that uh, where Paul immediately says that we were created for good works, that we are his workmanship created for good works. Uh, James tells us, uh, and it's, it's a verse that is uh, often misquoted by uh, by false religions uh, in that that, uh, that would say that works are required for salvation. James says, faith without works is dead. Uh, but yeah. it, it's, it's, it's not a, and it, in fact, in that passage in James chapter two, he's referring back to your namesake, Abraham, where his faith was credited, credited to him as righteousness. It wasn't his works uh, that were credited to credited to him, but it was his faith. Uh, sometimes uh, when I'm sharing the gospel with people, I'll use this analogy to uh, to explain it. Uh, let's say that you were my neighbor, Abraham, uh, and uh, you knock on my door one day and you say, hey, Tony, I'm going to mow your lawn so that I could be your son. And uh, I smile at you and say a couple of things. One, thank you for wanting to get me out of yard work. Uh, yes and amen. <laughs> Uh, but then I'd have to be honest with you and said, look, uh, Abraham, mowing my lawn isn't going to make you my son. But what if you were my son? And I come home from work one day and I see Abraham without anybody telling him mowing the lawn. And instead of hanging out at the beach, he's mowing the lawn. So I think so. My first thought, unfortunately, is, all right, what's up? What kind of bomb does Abraham have to drop on me? And instead, you see me you come running over and you say, hey, dad, uh, I don't have a bomb to drop on you. I don't want the keys to the car. I uh, don't want the money in your wallet. I didn't flunk out of uh, school. Um, I'm mowing the lawn because I love you and I'm glad you're my dad. That would make yeah. most that would make most grown men cry. Um, and the same is true when we stand before God. No one is going to be welcomed into his joy, welcomed into his kingdom because they mowed his lawn. Uh, Jesus even said in, in Matthew chapter 7, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not uh, do miracles in your name? Did we not do mighty works in your name? And Jesus said, I will say to them on that day, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I never knew you. Because right. the people to whom he's referring to are religious people who uh, are, in a sense, church-going folk, uh, but they think that their good works are commending them to God in some way. Their, their faith isn't in Christ alone, 
their faith is more in what they do to try to um, uh, to try to appease God, to try to commend themselves to God. Uh, but salvation is by the grace of God alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. So if we are truly born again, if God has caused us to be born again through faith in Jesus Christ, then we are going to want to live a life that's pleasing to him, not to earn his love, not to keep his love, but because we're so thankful for the love he freely gave us through faith in Jesus Christ. And Absolutely. that's Absolutely. that's the difference between a works righteous religion that leads only to hell and genuine faith, uh, which is a gift uh, through Christ. So, so Abraham, so you've been a you've been a follower of Christ now for, as you said, two or three years. How do you yeah. go about how do you go about sharing your faith with others? Yeah, so um, you know, I appreciate people like yourself and Chris who are are. brave enough to walk out and and invite people to a conversation that's not my um my my forte i'm i'm you know i work in sales and yes i can i can talk to people but i'm not necessarily the type of person who's going to walk up and say hey you know let's let's talk about jesus what i've what i've had success with and what i like to do is i like to because because when when you embrace jesus as a savior when, when you're walking with him your view of the world and everything in it changes. You view everyone not as another person, but also as a child of God. And if you start if you start treating people um, with respect, dignity, love, um, people ask about it. You know, people people ask well, what's going on, and that's great an opportunity, invitation to um, do so. You know, I, I, I in, my, in my line of work, you know, there's a lot of opportunities for me to bless people with my knowledge or, or or what what I know or you know save them money or something like this. And people will notice it. And people you know at times will ask about it and at times they'll they'll share their own faith because they sense a, a common interest there. Um I also, you know, I I I try to what I call be a fountain and not a drain. And what I mean by that is to is to live the life of of bounty for myself and others. And so that means you know, giving financially to different organizations to your church. It means um, investing and leaning into um, different programs and everything else that's going on at your local local church body. Um, so while I'm not the person who's going to probably um, uh, call up people while they're at the vacation on vacation, <laughs> <laughs> which is awesome, which is great, you know. I, I, I guess I look for more subtle ways, and if that you know that may not be, that may not be great. I mean, if you're willing to say, "Hey, Abraham, you should be a little more outspoken," then then tell me that. But um, sorry, we have an airplane flying overhead here. Um, but that's that's kind of the way I try to do it. Um, I, I try to I try to be as kind and gracious to people as possible, and when they see this more than just you being a nice guy, I you know somebody's gonna be a catalyst for for conversations. Um, also, I, I try to invest in people who are hard trying to pull themselves out of different situations and um you know that takes a while i, I believe that for to, to share the, the the gospel effectively um at least with my personality you have to form a deep relationship with someone i think um if not even a deep but just at, at some level um and so i try to make that investment where i can so uh 
All right. So now that we've known each other for about oh, 20 minutes, uh, I feel <laughs> I feel I feel like I could challenge you a little bit. <laughs> okay. Um, first of all, you're absolutely right. We we ought to be kind to others. The two greatest commandments, Jesus said, are to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Um, right. Those are the the two greatest commandments, as Jesus said. Uh, and uh, as we represent Jesus Christ in the world, uh, you know, people should be able to see a difference between us and the rest of the world. No doubt about it. But the Bible also says uh, in Ephesians chapter 2 uh, that people are dead in their sin. Um, I did uh, an extensive study of the Greek word translated as dead in, in that passage, and it means dead. <laughs> they're, they're, <laughs> people are spiritually dead. Uh, and First Corinthians chapter two actually says that they're spiritually blind, that the natural man uh, cannot discern that which is spiritual because it is spiritually appraised. And so the question I would have then is how can a dead person, and this is kind of rhetorical because I'm going to answer it myself. How can a dead person who seemingly redundantly is also blind how can a dead and blind person possibly see Jesus in me? And the answer is, he can't. Uh, if, if, uh, and what I liked about what you mentioned is that in, in uh, establishing relationship with someone, you see that as a, a means of getting to the gospel to talk to them. And that's, and that's great. But most Christians who practice what is commonly referred to as friendship, evangelism uh they'll mm -hmm. they'll they'll spend they've been told they've been told by churches now for some 50 years that you have to develop a relationship with someone uh in order to go going so far as to say in order to earn the right to communicate the gospel to them and so well-intended christians will do that and they'll put a a great deal of, of time and energy and sweat equity into developing a relationship with an unbeliever. Um, and what all too often happens, though, is that if and when they get to the point where they think, hey, maybe I should share the gospel with Abraham, uh, mm -hmm. they, in the end, they don't because they don't want to do anything to jeopardize the friendship that they work so hard to build. And so what ends up happening is that the friendship becomes more important than the soul of the friend. And, and something else that, 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 uh, that, uh, that way of doing evangelism, that philosophy is the word I was looking for, that philosophy for evangelism, what it, what it does, unfortunately, is that it in a sense, strips some of the power away from the gospel itself. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to all who believe, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. The gospel uh, is a spoken message, uh, either in written form or spoken with words. Uh, Paul in Romans chapter 10 says, How will they hear? without a preacher. Now, that doesn't mean every Christian has to be a preacher, but he, what he's conveying there is that the gospel is a spoken message. 
And the gospel alone is the power of God to salvation. And what the gospel doesn't need is my personality to make it more palatable or my ability to make friends with someone uh, in order to strengthen the, the gospel message. The gospel itself is powerful enough. And since, since a, a lost person who's blind and dead in their sin can't see Jesus in me, the only way they're going to know why there's any difference between me and them is if I actually communicate the gospel to them. For instance, um, if, if you see a, a homeless person there on the beach and you decide to take them to lunch to put food in their stomach, wonderful thing to do. That's one way you could love your neighbor. If you do that without the actual communication of the gospel, absolutely. Yeah. There, there, there's no way that that homeless person is going to be able to distinguish you from the altruistic atheist or from no, the benevolent. It, it, absolutely. And, and there's a lot of nice guys out there, uh, <laughs> you know, like you said, altruistic atheist. And I, and I suppose when I say, I think you call it a friendship evangelism, and that's a great phrase for it. I, I suppose it's important to qualify that with it's important with those relationships, and, and I, I tried to do this to do, kind of funny, to define what the relationship is maybe at the outset. Good. I, you know, th this isn't a, you know, I'm thinking about some relationships I have where the situations where um, young men are, 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 you know, having a hard time trying to pull themselves out of some stuff. And, you know, this isn't exactly hanging out with Abraham's buddy buddy time as much as it is, hey, let me help you, let me invest in you, let and let me sh let me share with you what I'm about because it, it that part's very obvious. And when I say let's try to you know show people um, the gospel, I, I I guess I mean it's more of a catalyst. You know, you mm -hmm. you take the homeless person to lunch, they ask you what's up, and you have a car you have a conversation for it. Um, yeah. You hear someone's uh, having a hard time. Uh, financially, you leave them a big tip. They ask you what's up. You know, you, you can have a conversation. I, I feel sure. like that's that's helpful. Just just leaving the big tip, just taking them out to lunch, um, that's great and all. But don't confuse that with right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. I agree. I agree with you on that. You know, you know, if we if in our efforts to love our neighbor as ourselves, we put clothes on their back, food in their stomach, a roof over their head and we don't communicate the gospel to them, ultimately, in the end, we've only made them more comfortable on their way to hell. Exactly. Um, yeah. And we also have to truly believe that the gospel is the only thing that's going to affect yeah. change. Amen. Uh, and, and, I really like, and I really like what you said, Abraham. You said uh, you talked about the gospel um, establishing that at the, at the outset. Uh, and I think that's key. And that's the difference between how much of friendship evangelism is practiced um, today and what I think biblical friendship evangelism looks like. Uh, for instance, if you and your family just moved in next door and I brought you over a plate of cookies, my my first conversation would be, hey, we, we live next door. My wife makes great chocolate chip cookies. Welcome to the neighborhood. Uh, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'd like to share with you what I believe. Uh, thanks for the cookies. No thanks for the gospel. Okay, no problem. And continue to, to work on building that relationship with my neighbor. But instead of building the relationship on the sandy foundation of my personality, 
I'm going to try to establish a relationship on the foundation of the the rock solid foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that way, uh, my friend doesn't think my attempt to establish a relationship with him isn't a bait and switch to just get him to go to church. But he knows right from the beginning who I am and where I stand. And if he rejects the gospel, he's, you know, I'm not going to put bars on my door and not invite him over to the house. Um, I'm still going to work on developing that relationship, looking for other opportunities to speak the truth and love to him. And uh, who knows, maybe by God's grace, two years down the road, five years down the road, uh, two days down the road, he says, you know what, Tony, uh, what do you believe? But the the key, like you said, establishing at the outset that uh, the gospel is the power of God for salvation. I'm going to build our relationship on the gospel and not on the sandy foundation of my personality and my wife's ability to bake cookies. <laughs> well, depending on how good the cookies are, that might not be a... Uh, they're, they're pretty good. They're pretty, <laughs> they're pretty good. Um, well, you know, I feel like it, is, it does two things. One is it defines in how you exactly communicate what you're about and what you believe at that initial conversation is a matter of linguistics. And it is a matter of personality a little bit. But, you know, communicating that, I feel like it would do two things. One, it announces pretty quickly who you are and what you're about. And the other thing that occurs to me is if you're going to be in a long-term relationship with somebody as in their neighbor or their coworker or something, it also puts incumbent on you to, I mean, you, you've now flagged the fact that this is what you believe. So mm-hmm. live like it. I yeah. Mean, Amen. Yeah. You, you can't yeah, hide it. Great point. You, you are now, great a walking, point. you are now a walking uh, emblem bearer. So it, I, I, I agree. I think it's a, um, I think it's a, a great way to, to start, start the relationship, you know? So I, I think you'd probably agree. I, I've got, I just got a couple more minutes here and I'm going to let you go. Um, and again, thank you so much for giving me so much of your vacation. I really do appreciate it. I, uh, thank you. Um, I, I think you'd agree. We live in a pretty crazy world right now. And uh, yeah. And I believe I'm no prophet. I don't play one on TV. Um, uh, I believe we're getting to the point here in the United States where it may actually cost something to be a Christian in this country. Uh, Jesus said uh, that we are to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. And whoever is unwilling to do that is not fit, is not worthy to be his disciple. And since we know that the gospel is a communicated message, uh, whether verbal or in written form, but it is a message to be declared, Um, I I want to leave you with this. If they started arresting Christians, will there be enough evidence to convict you of that crime? Now, I'm not asking I'm not asking you that question as if to say I doubt that I don't. Uh, You've given me no reason not to think I've been having a conversation with a brother in Christ. But. In, in the West, particularly here in the United States, uh, in particular, uh, many Christians treat their faith, their Christianity, as if it's a quote-unquote private thing. And, and Christ never intended for that uh, at all. Uh, in fact, Jesus said, or rather the Apostle Paul told Timothy, whoever uh, 
whoever seeks to live a godly life will be persecuted. And so that implies, uh, in that short sentence, that implies that any type of godly life acceptable to God is going to put us in a position for the potentiality of persecution. And that means we're going to be out there communicating the gospel to people. Now, that doesn't mean everybody has to do a podcast and find people on the beach. Does it mean, does it mean you have to stand on a box at the corner of walk, don't walk and, uh, and shout out the gospel. Um, God has created us with our own personalities. He's put us in different places. Uh, our lives are different contexts. And so we ought to faithfully communicate the gospel uh, in keeping with how God has made us, the personality has given us, and where he's placed us. So there's, I'm not, I'm not saying there's any cookie-cutter approach to evangelism. But, but, yeah. as, but as, you're, as you are considering how you go about uh, communicating the gospel to people, realizing the times that we live in, you want to do it in such a way, whatever that looks like in Abraham's life, and again, doesn't have to look like what it is in Tony's life. Uh, you do that in such a way that if they start arresting Christians, there'll be ample evidence to convict you of that crime. We want to get arrested, man. We need, we need to happen. Uh, All right. No, I mean, I, 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 well, I was just going to say, you know, there, there's, yeah. you know, so many, I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, people view Christianity as a private, private thing. And I feel like everything right now in a lot of people's lives is siloed. We, we have our work silo. We have our family silo. We have a dating silo. And then we have a we have a uh, a religion checkbox that we also you know we go on Easter and Christmas and you know I I don't think if you actually you know truly believe everything that Jesus teaches and really apply that you simply can't make this another silo it will purvey and spill over into every other compartment of your life Amen. and I think that's how you 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 effectively evangelizes. If, if you truly if you truly believe the full extent of what of what you say you believe, um, it will permeate. It will not only spill into other compartments; it will spill out uh, into other people, and um, it will be a catalyst for some great conversations and and friendships. So, yeah. I agree, Amen. man. All right. Hey, it, uh, how much longer are you going to be down in Florida? Uh, you know, I got today, and I leave tomorrow at like eight. So, uh, well, short little trip. All right. I, I hope the I hope the rest of your time down there's uh, good. And I want to encourage you to to share the gospel with someone before you leave the state. Yeah, man. Love it. All right. Hey, God, God bless you. Thank you so much for uh, giving me so much of your time. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Hey, you betcha. You have a good one. Now do I... Yeah, just go ahead and hand the phone back to Chris. Yeah. All righty. Thank you. All right, I've got Chris back on the phone. He's uh, spent a little bit of time with Abraham after uh, my conversation with him. Uh, Abraham and I talked for over 30 minutes. thought it was a pretty good conversation. So, Chris, what can you tell me? Um, two really, really nice young men. Um, I was just, you know, walking down the beach looking for different people, and uh, and um, these two were sitting up uh, kind of up on a boardwalk. It was um, looks like it's kind of abandoned just off the water. 
and they had backpacks. And uh, so I didn't know if they were like hiking or what. It turns out it was something to do with a long board. <laughs> it wasn't hiking. But um, uh, yeah, both very nice. Both were apprehensive at first. I had to really kind of talk them into it, uh, into getting on. But um, I think once, you know, once uh, I told him it was a podcast, that kind of uh, intrigued um, Abraham. And uh, his buddy Josiah pulled it up real quick, you know, to see, I guess, if it was legit. And, ah. and then Abraham said said he would go for it. And, uh, and uh, you know, both really, really nice young men. Well, I'm, I'm glad we had a couple of episodes under our belt <laughs> before they did some surfing on the web. So, um, you yeah. know, I, I came away from the conversation with, uh, and I'll chalk talk this in a little bit, but I'll come, I came away from the conversation with Abraham um, feeling pretty confident, at least as much as I could, that uh, I was talking to a brother in Christ. Was that the sense you got to? Uh, yes, Tony. I was standing off just, you know, I could hear and I was trying you know, not to stare at him while he's talking, you know, but uh, but I could hear what he was saying. And um, I, I told him when I prayed with him at the end, I said, uh, you know, I've only been doing this a couple of years, but I've watched many, many on, on TV as far as, you know, evangelizing and sharing the gospel. And um, it was one of the, the clearer uh, gospel presentations that I've heard, you know, just for somebody who, um, you know, he was just sitting there minding his own business. I went up to him and, and next thing you know, he's He's telling you what the gospel is, and I thought he did a really good job of clearly explaining it. And uh, and yeah, I, I felt the same way as I was listening. Yeah, yeah. And uh, look, I've never communicated a perfect gospel presentation in my life, and I've been out on the streets doing it for you know fifteen, sixteen years now. And and I agree of of the professing Christians I have met on the streets, uh, most of whom uh, can't communicate their way out of a paper bag uh, pertaining to the gospel. I thought Abraham did a, a pretty good job. And and uh, and so the conversation, I don't know if you heard or not, the conversation then turned to to evangelism and how he communicates the gospel. And, and he's even close to a biblical form of friendship evangelism, if that's even possible. But but so we, we had a really good conversation. Um, did you put any uh, resources into their hands or? Um, on this one, I did not, but I, on the way over here to uh, find Abraham and Josiah, I actually passed out uh, several on the way. Everybody told me no got one. <laughs> so, uh, Good. Excellent. I, I had run out by the time I got to, um, by the time I got to Abraham, I had run out, but uh, you know, I, there were several passed out along the way to them. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, for those of you who are, who are listening, something you don't know is that uh, this was our second try together today. Uh uh, Chris found a young man named Nico uh, there in, on the beach, and uh, my my internet provider decided that they were going to do some work on the street and zap my internet connection halfway through my conversation with Nico, and and so Chris was able to to finish that conversation, communicate the gospel uh, to him, and then made several other attempts to get someone to uh, put on the phone before. Uh, before he found Abraham. And so the the street fishing, the evangelism goes beyond what you hear on the podcast. Uh, even though I wasn't able to finish the conversation with Nico, the conversation continued. And that's one of the reasons why I love having street fishermen out there, because if I lose a connection or the person hangs up on me, maybe they're not going to hang up on Chris or Bart or one of the other guys who are out there. And they'll be able to finish that gospel conversation, put resources in their hands. And as Chris said, as he's going around the beach, trying to convince people to get on the phone, receiving several no's along the way, 
Well, those people received gospel literature as well. And so while you only heard the conversation with Abraham, uh, the time Chris and I have spent street fishing together today resulted in a number of people hearing the gospel. So well done, brother. Really good to be able to really good to be able to fish with you again. I look forward to doing it again soon. Thank you, Tony. It was a real honor. I appreciate it. All right. God bless, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Have a good day. All right. Bye. All right. Well, that was my conversation with Abraham. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I hope you drew some encouragement from that as well, and maybe a little bit of conviction. Combined, Chris and I have probably 20 years on the streets. Um, I've been in Christian ministry and gospel ministry to one extent or another for more than 20 years now. And one thing I can say with confidence is that over the years, the untold number of people that I have met who profess faith in Jesus Christ, the vast majority of them are lost and bound for hell. Of those who would say to me on the street, yeah, I'm a Christian, the likelihood is they are a false convert. They do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. Uh, In fact, most of the people I meet on the streets who would claim to be Christians fall under a category of people that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 6, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 7, rather, verses 21 to 23. Matthew 6, <laughs> maybe I'll do that 12 more times. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23. Jesus is speaking. Here's what he says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Most of the people I talk to on the street will one day, unless God miraculously intervenes and causes them to be born again, will one day stand before God to hear, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. There are a couple of different reasons for that. One, they claim to be a Christian, but they believe in a Jesus they created in their imagination to suit themselves, not the second person of the triune God, not the Holy One of Israel, not the Savior, not uh, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, uh, not Jesus Christ the Messiah, but merely a figment of their imagination that they call Jesus. Or they might believe in the Jesus of the Bible, but the gospel they believe is a gospel that leaves them accursed and not redeemed. Uh, Instead of believing a gospel of salvation by the grace of God alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, they're believing a gospel uh, that says that they're a good person, that God's going to take that into account when they stand before him, and that it's Jesus plus me. And that's how I'm getting into heaven. And either way, the people I just described will one day stand before God to hear, Depart from me, I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. And I've said this many times over the years, that it is probably this group of people that I'm talking about right now uh, for whom my heart breaks the most. Because they believe they're going to stand before God, they're going to rub their hands together, and they're going to say, hey, show me my room in the mansion. 
only to be cast into hell for all eternity. And that breaks my heart. And that should break yours too. And how refreshing it is, and quite frankly, how rare it is for a stranger to walk up to me while I'm crosswalking or or for me to approach a student on a college campus or talk to someone passing by the abortuary while I'm there and have that person say I'm a Christian and by the end of the conversation it actually turns out to be true. Rarer still, again, the group of people I have met over the years while being on the streets who claim to be Christians who in all likelihood actually were saved, were born again, is very small. This next group is far smaller, and that is the group of people among those who I've met who I can walk away from the conversation with some confidence thinking, hey, I just talked to a brother or sister in Christ, who was then also to actually be able to articulate the gospel. That is a very, very small group of people. It should not be that way. It, it shouldn't, but, but it is. And so in my conversation of Abraham, I believe I met one of those very rare people, at least in the context of my evangelism experience. One of that very small and rare breed of professing Christians who can actually articulate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, look, as I mentioned to Chris uh, during our follow-up conversation. You know, I've never preached a perfect message in my life. I've never presented a perfect gospel conversation in my life. I've been proclaiming the gospel now for 20-some years, both from pulpits and on street corners and in conversations and in other ways and being as fallible as I am. I'm sure I've never done anything perfectly. And so Abraham's gospel presentation wasn't perfect, but there was enough there for me to come away from the conversation thinking, you know what, this young man knows the gospel. And and as as he's talking to me, it didn't sound like he was parroting information that he heard over and over again, you know, over the years, you know, because he grew up in the church. He didn't grow up in the church. Well, actually, well... He did and he didn't. Uh, he was raised in a Christian home, um, rebelled is his testimony, and then found himself uh, in a church or a new pastor came to the church. And it was through that pastor that, uh, that he would hear the gospel and come to repentance and faith only two or three years ago, uh, not that long ago. And already during that time, he's not only developed a vocabulary, but the ability to articulate a gospel message. Most people can't do that. And again, I'm speaking in the context of my experience out on the streets. As an evangelist, most of the genuine believers I meet on the streets, and and that is a small group of the people that I meet, uh, a much smaller percentage of that group is able to communicate the gospel. And so it was both refreshing and encouraging uh, for a young man, 21 years old, who's been a Christian for two or three years, uh, to be able to hear uh, such well-articulated gospel truth from him. So that leaves me, though, with a question for you, my listener, the tens and tens of you, as Todd Friel would say. 
the tens and tens of you who are out there listening, uh, my question for you would be, can you do that? If so, if a stranger walks up to you on the street, <laughs> or worse still, some stranger walks up to you on the street, holds up a phone and says, hey, would you like to talk to another stranger on the phone? He wants to talk to you about spiritual things. Would you be ready to hop on the phone and communicate the gospel to the person on the phone? Does the mere thought of that cause heart palpitations, sweat to form on your brow? Uh, does it scare you to death because you're not sure what to say? Well, if that's you, what I'm not saying to you is you're lost and bound for hell. I'm not saying that. While it's true that a person cannot be saved by a gospel they do not know, for the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe, that you might be weak in the communication of the gospel uh, is not a reason for you to question your salvation necessarily. I'll leave that up to you to determine whether you need to examine yourself and test yourself to see if you're in the faith. But you're not saved by your ability to articulate the gospel. You're saved by the grace of God alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. So never look to your evangelism prowess for your assurance of salvation. Always look to Jesus Christ for that assurance of salvation. But you should be asking yourself the question, why? Why can't I? Why can't I succinctly, biblically, articulate the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost person? Or, why don't I want to? Why don't I have any desire to communicate the gospel to someone? Now look, if you have no desire to communicate the gospel to someone, you ought to examine yourself. You ought to test yourself to see if you are in the faith. We do what we care about, my friend. We do what we care about. We talk about what we care about. Do you remember your first car? I remember mine. Pearl white, black vinyl top, V8, 1968, AMC Javelin. And of that V8, six of those cylinders worked. And it was the greatest car ever invented. <laughs> and when my dad gave me that car... And it was it was a beast. When my dad gave me that car, did I uh, just leave it in the garage or in our case, a carport? We lived in apartments then. Uh, did I just leave it in the carport? Did I just dust it off once a month? Or, or was I excited to take it out and drive it and show it to my friends and give my friends rides and, and take pictures of it? We had Polaroids back then. <laughs> take pictures of it and show it to people. Yeah, you bet I did. Why? Because I cared about that car. When Maria, my wife of uh, now 35 years, when she agreed to marry me, do you think I told anybody? Or did I keep that a secret? Did I not want to talk about it? Of course I wanted to talk about it. The, the girl of my dreams said yes. And, uh, and so I told everybody I could that I was getting married. When my daughters came along, Michelle, Marissa, and Amanda, all adults now, when my daughters were born, did I tell anybody or did I keep it a secret? Did I tell anybody that, that I had a child, number two, number three, or did I really not care to tell anybody? Of course I did. Of course I told people. Of course I wanted people to know because I love my daughters. 
loved my wife, even loved that beat up old car all those years ago. We do what we care about. We talk about what we care about. And if you have no desire whatsoever to talk about Jesus Christ, if you have no desire whatsoever to communicate the gospel to somebody, that's different than not having the ability. That's different than not having the skill. That is a heart issue. And if that's you, you ought to examine yourself and test yourself to see if you are even in the faith. So I was encouraged by my conversation with Abraham. Uh, encouraged that a young man was able to, to have a conversation with me about the gospel. Uh, there was very little I felt I needed to correct uh, in what he had to say or you know, to ask questions to, because he wasn't speaking clearly. He was a very articulate young man. And then so when, when that happens, when I do run into that rare person who um, on the streets, who is a genuine follower of Jesus Christ, I then turn the conversation to evangelism. I, I move from being an ambassador for uh, Jesus Christ uh, now to being an ambassador for evangelism of the gospel, which is still an ambassador of Jesus Christ. But now that I'm, I'm beyond communicating the gospel to the person in front of me, I want to encourage them to be out there communicating the gospel to others. And so that's where our conversation turned. And as many people, uh, particularly in the United States, in American evangelicalism, uh, in evangelicalism in general, Abraham was, uh, has been taught uh, a form of friendship evangelism. Uh, the idea that we should establish relationships with people before we communicate the gospel to them. Well, I've written extensively on this subject. Uh, I think friendship evangelism, the way it's most commonly practiced, is one of Satan's greatest tools to prevent Christians from communicating the gospel. And you heard me explain why in my conversation with Abraham. Uh, so I, I won't go over all of that again. Uh, but I, what I will repeat is that, yes, we, uh, we should be establishing relationships with people. Uh, there's nothing wrong with uh, loving your neighbors who aren't saved, spending time with your neighbors, establishing relationship with your neighbors, with your co-workers who aren't born-again followers of Jesus Christ. There's nothing wrong with that. But those relationships should be built on the rock-solid foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, not the shifting sand of your dynamic personality or your ability to establish relationships with people. God doesn't need your help to save anybody. God commands your participation in that God is a God of means. And again, the means by which he brings people to repentance and faith is through the verbal or written communication of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God regenerates, extends the gifts of repentance and faith to a person. They hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. They repent and believe as a result. And God uses people. God uses Christians to communicate that gospel. And so... Yes, we should practice friendship evangelism. The most friendly thing we will ever do for another human being is communicate the gospel to them. And let your friendships, let your relationships uh, be built upon 
the gospel. The first thing a person should learn about you is not your hobbies, but who it is you serve. Uh, your first conversation with someone should include the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then continue to work on building the relationship from there, looking at every and any opportunity to communicate the gospel uh, to your friend, to your new friend, to you, this new relationship. Love your friend more than you love the friendship. And again, that's one of the great traps of the way friendship evangelism is typically practiced. Uh, in the end, the friendship becomes more important than the soul of the friend, to the point where, in many cases, the gospel is actually withheld because the Christian doesn't want to do anything to jeopardize the friendship, even though their friend is on their way to hell. Don't be that guy. Don't be that girl. Build your relationships on the rock-solid foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because souls matter. Lives matter. Every life matters. And so we should be about communicating the gospel to whoever we can, whenever we can, as often as we can, as long as we can. One last thing, and then I'll let you go. Uh, in encouraging Abraham uh, to be intentional about verbally proclaiming the gospel, I asked him a somewhat rhetorical question, uh, but maybe not entirely, that when Christians start getting arrested, and we're going to see it happen more often in more places, uh, greater frequency, it's going to happen at some point, I believe it will actually be against the law uh, to be a Christian in the United States like it is right now in other parts of the world. When that happens, and they start rounding up Christians, will there be enough tangible evidence to convict you of Christianity? And again, the only way they're going to be able to tell you apart from the atheist, the agnostic, the Buddhist, the Hindu, the Roman Catholic, or any other group of unsaved people, the only way they're going to be able to tell the difference between you and them is by what comes out of your mouth, by your verbal declaration of Jesus Christ as Lord, and by your proclamation of the gospel. That will be the evidence that will convict you. Will there be enough evidence? Will there be able to, will they courts be able to find any evidence? Will they be able to call witnesses who will say, uh, yeah, Barbara told me that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. Uh, Sam told me that uh, Jesus Christ alone is Lord and that there is salvation in no one else. Will, will there be able to be that kind of evidence gathered against you? Or will charges be dismissed for insufficient evidence? Pray it will never be the latter. Pray it will be the former. That they will be able to find enough evidence to convict you of genuine faith in Jesus Christ. All right. Uh, that's all we have time for today. Uh, thank you for joining me for another edition of the Street Fishing Podcast. And until next time, dear friends, let's go fishing.
We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Street Fishing Podcast. The Street Fishing Podcast and Tony Miano's daily street evangelism efforts are ministries of Grace Fellowship Church in Davenport, Iowa. Grace Fellowship is a Reformed Baptist church that subscribes to the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith. Visit the church's website at gracefellowshipqc.com. That's gracefellowshipqc.com. And for more information about Tony Miano's street evangelism ministry, including books, articles, videos, and audios, visit crossencountersmen.com. That's crossencountersmin.com. Until next time, and until the nets are full, let's go fishing.